When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Interview with the Vampire, episode one in the throes of increasing wonder is over, but we are just getting started. My name is Craig. I'm here with my co-host, Philly. Philly, how you doing? I am excellent. I am in the throes of increasing wonder. <laughs> that was a really yeah. powerful first episode. Yeah, uh, the uh, episode title is going to be named after, I believe, sentences from the book. So I think that that's very uh, fun. And we get to do the Leo DiCaprio when the line gets said in the episode. We get the point. Uh, this is very. I know you and I are both Survivor fans. Who said the name? Who said the title of the episode? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Louis I, on the board so far. Yeah, I love the Leo pointing at the TV. It's been a lot yeah. of that these days. It's very fun. Yeah. Uh, a great first foray, and I yeah. love how much it touched on the source material. It was really yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both a, I think, uh, you know, uh, a recreation of of the book, uh, an an, a, an adaptation, a faithful adaptation, I think, while also updating it for modern times and, and playing around with some things that I think, uh, as you should do if you are making a new uh, show. We've had, uh, we have the book, we have uh, the movie. Now we get the TV show. Uh, I do just want to upfront note that AMC, I don't know what they're doing over there, Rich, but they're like, hey. Do you want both of the first episodes they're on AMC crazy. first they're thing crazy Sunday morning? Crazy. I know. I don't know what they're doing. I do, I don't know. Did they get bit by Lestat and and they just like are like in the, <laughs> they're in the throes of wonder? They're like we gotta get two episodes out. But AMC the network only released one episode uh, on Sunday night, so we are only talking about one episode because next Sunday night they will be releasing episode two. So I don't believe that next two. I don't believe that next Sunday. Sorry, like episode three is going to drop on AMC. I think that they have. For if you're an AMC Plus subscriber, you get those first two episodes off the bat, but you will now have to wait essentially three weeks for episode three. So uh, I contained myself. I did not watch ahead to episode two. Rich, I would not. Um, as we learned from the Sandman podcast, I would not begrudge you for wanting yep. to jump ahead. It was a very good episode. Um, mm-hmm. But have you watched one or have you watched two? I only watched one. I'm with okay. you on this Perfect. journey. I do, Perfect. as we talk about it in retrospect, there's been like so much discussion about the way these binge shows get released or a weekly model, what's better. There's a lot of stuff on Netflix where they're dropping in these batches now, right? Yeah, here's three episodes. Here's five episodes. This feels smart, Grace. Like in retrospect, they're like, yeah, the episodes get air when it airs on the television very normally, the way television has worked for a long time. But it's also- like a vampire in the alley being, you want to- do you want to watch both episodes? You can yeah. Come, come down here. Yeah. yeah. This feels like great marketing to be like, oh, yeah. yeah, watch both episodes and then go tell all your friends how awesome the second one was and be like for five bucks or ten bucks or whatever it is, you could go watch it right now. Yeah. That um, makes sense. I- and I think what they'll do as well is, yes, uh, I think the people who immediately gorged and devoured two episodes. There was a little <laughs> bit of confusion being like, wait, how did you watch two episodes? Uh, mm-hmm. Go check out your AMC Plus or here in Canada uh, because we like to complicate things. It's on Amazon Prime, but you also must have an AMC Plus subscription oh on your Amazon gosh. Prime. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amazon Prime, big on the like, oh, you also need a star subscription. They oh, you also that. need. A hey you subscription, yeah, it's very annoying, but that's it's fun. deeply frustrating. I mean, yeah. what a racket! I, 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 this is these are just cable packages, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think that the thing I really liked, and this happened with Dexter as well. I do not believe they did this with Better Call Saul, although I could be wrong. Is that AMC Plus will release the episode that is airing that night just on Sunday. So you wake up Sunday morning, you could just watch probably when episode three comes out, you can watch it Sunday morning. You don't have to wait for Sunday night when the episode will air on TV. I think that's also very smart that there can be some buzz around the episode. So uh, yeah, AMC, they're trying things. They're going for it. And one of the things they're going for is interview with the vampire. Rick. The the vampire. Um, if you uh, are interested in making sure that you don't miss one of our episodes, we do many podcasts here on Poetry Recaps. I would encourage you to subscribe. We're doing many great things. Rich and I on plenty of podcasts around uh, uh, these these parts. But if you are looking specifically for an interview with the vampire podcast, you can subscribe. PostureRecaps.com slash vampire. We get all the vampires, Rich, in our feed. I'm excited. Uh, I love yeah. vampires. Do you have vampires in Canada? 
<laughs> Apparently we do, right? In Vancouver, there's many. Vampires. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the Toronto vampire scene, but um, actually, what we do in the shadows is filmed in Toronto. So. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, excellent. They're very yeah. prominent vampires, actually. Yeah. Yep. So posterrecaps.com slash vampire. We would very much appreciate uh, ratings and reviews. Subscribing is uh, it's very important. We would very much appreciate uh, that. And I'm sure if there's other vampire uh, content that uh, we want to delve into, uh, I'm sure it will drop in this uh, feed. Rich, do you know how many vampire shows came out this fall? I heard like three, right? Four, Four I believe. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I just like, threw an extra one in there because why not? Yeah. yeah. Todd was like, this is the third uh, vampire show coming out this October. And I said, ah, ah. Uh, Vampire Academy also came out in September. <laughs> so there are four wow. TV shows. Uh, uh, Todd the Librarian, uh, uh, helping me uh, reference. I'll, I'll try and find it. But yeah, Vampire Media, so hot right now. Um, yeah. We talked about it in our preview, right? But like so much of why I love this property is the way that it reset vampires in the modern era, right? It like resets this kind of the whole mythology. It, it gets us into this place. Uh, I will um, take back my words that Brad Pitt was not fully formed as of yeah, the timing of yeah. the film. Yeah. Uh, certainly he was like well on his way, right? He did have like quite a catalog under his belt at that yeah. point in retrospect, but it just was so big at the time, Grace. Vampires yeah. were cool. And sexy and powerful and had cool supernatural abilities and not like old pale men hiding in castles and yeah. uh, it was a real game changer and I, we could still see it here like 30 years later which is all the more reason why it's delightful that we get to be talking about this adaptation it's very cool that this yes. exists uh, big shout out to Elizabeth, I believe, who was like, yes. hey, Brad Pitt. <laughs> yes. This is on my, uh, Brad Pitt was popping by yeah. 94. Very true. A river did run through it. Yes. Yeah. My fellow uh, T1D uh, 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 sister. So, uh, yeah, there's Reginald the Vampire, which is going to be, I'm not sure what network it's on, but it's starring Ned from the Spider-Man uh, uh, franchise. Oh, uh, yes, I think probably yeah. the lightest of, of vampire uh, stories that are coming. There's also a Let the Right One In uh, show, uh, an adaptation that's coming on Showtime, and then Vampire Academy on um some network i'm not exactly sure. it's so funny yeah. right because between interview let the right one in obviously what we do in the shadows all these tv adaptations of vampire films that um really kind of broke the mold it's interesting yeah uh i believe vampire academy is on peacock and reginald the vampire will be on sci the sci-fi network so mm -hmm. uh rich we might have to check out the pilots of these shows and come back after we finished interview with the vampire and like compare and contrast yeah do a little vampire assessment okay we yeah. can go hunting vampire yeah. hunters yeah uh but let's talk about the show we we're actually going to talk about which is interview with the vampire uh a, a reboot uh of a, a, a remake uh, i guess because we we uh wipe the slate clean here with interview with the vampire uh the tv show uh we i thought very interestingly we start with our, our interview E, uh, no, our interviewer, not our interviewee, yes. Daniel Malloy, uh, played by Eric Gosian, uh, who's very excited. And I think very interestingly, we're going to delve into him a fair bit, even though he is not the subject of the interview. Uh, and uh, there's backstory here. He's going to receive a package with tapes and a letter from Louis de Pont de Lac. Um, and it seems that they, perhaps in San Francisco, about... Uh, 40 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, uh, tried this once before. They tried an interview with the vampire, uh, very interestingly, and it did not end well. Uh, but Louis would like to try again now that Eric is a, an older man. So they meet in uh, the United Arab Emirates, I believe, in his house, a.k.a. his coffin. <laughs> You're standing in it. You're um, standing in it. Yeah, and they have uh, they begin again. They decide, okay, we can try this again. There are lots of reasons why the first time did not go well. So let's restart. Louis will tell his uh, beginnings. Where did he start? When did he become? Or when did you die? I think uh, is maybe the question that gets asked. He is in uh, a New Orleans in 1910. Five years since his father passed, he is now running the family business, which is not the same family business, Rich. No, that his father ran. Um, uh, he tries to put it very delicately. I managed and operated a diversified portfolio of businesses. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, Daniel says, ah, you were a pimp. <laughs> uh, so he runs some brothels. Um, we'll see the business that he gets up to. But in his spare time, he likes to go and hang out at a much nicer establishment where sometimes he hangs out with Lily. Uh, and he catches the eye, I believe, when he is actually uh, confronting his own brother who is preaching oh, yeah. outside the brothels. We'll, we'll get into Paul. Uh, he catches the eye of Lestat. Lestat then... Uh, encounters him uh, he is already talking with lily when uh, louis comes uh, for for a night uh the two of them begin a wild uh friendship uh, of sorts culminating in a night of pleasure with lily um uh a, a, a light drink a little drink 
Petit Coup, I believe, is what mm-hmm. uh, Lestat. The petit Coup. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, that uh, brings great shame to Louis having participated in it, and he breaks off his friendship with Lestat. Uh, there is uh, rumors of a, a devil, uh, a fever that is draining people of their blood. Unfortunately, Lily winds up being one of the people who suffers from this, uh, from this fever, uh, although Louis does not quite believe it. Uh, the morning after Louis' sister, Grace... The Pont de Lac, very excited for that, uh, <laughs> gets married. Uh, Paul and Louis hang out on the roof only for Paul to seemingly commit suicide the next morning, fall, uh, jumping off of the roof. Louis is blamed in the throes of despair. He's going to go to the church, uh, do confession only for Lestat to kill the priest and then turn Louis into a vampire. A lot of setup, Rich, but that's the episode. I... Loved it. I was immediately yeah. captivated. Um, we're watching a lot of good TV these days, right? But the writing is like so excellent. The way that the kind of characters are moving. I love the focus on Malloy to open us up, right? This is a pivot, but the whole notion of the thing is an interview with the vampire. This is the human perspective looking in at the story, right? Louis is very much the narrator of this tale. And so keeping that like really loyal kind of part of the adaptation is the heart of it is Louis telling this story and acknowledging, hey, we did this already. Uh, and this yeah. is actually like a reboot. We are going to like revisit That's this story. That's very funny. I didn't think about way. that. Like, hey, didn't it's, we do this? <laughs> it's so great, Grace. It really like struck me as like such a clever way to approach this storytelling because these are huge sweeping changes to the yeah. character, right? While yeah. I think that fundamentally the emotional um, arcs that the characters are going to go on will remain preserved for what we're doing here, we have changed Louis profile profoundly from the individual that he is in the books just in terms of his origin right who yeah. he is and and uh the origin of this louis dupont du lac as a black man in new orleans at the turn of the century a gay man i mean he's he's got the line at one point you could be a lot of things in new orleans but you right. can't be an openly gay black man in 1910 and this is fundamental to the story that we're about to embark on uh, yeah. so i love how the immensity of these really bold changes while they're doing such homage to like the integrity of the original story, the heart and soul of the thing, right? What an innovative concept and a great way to approach this Eric Bogosian, like killing it right out of the gate. And the whole way that they just like approach this thing of like, let us once again, try to do this thing. Louis's letter, the writing is just so excellent, right? It feels like fast paced. It's punchy. It feels kind of conversational while also like heightened in that dramatis kind of way right but um it just it, it, it's fantastic right the way that it kind of captivates this well i'm hoping that health and pride won't prevent you from accepting this proposal let us revisit a project our boyish youth prevented us from right i love this whole notion grace I'm, i was sucked right in yeah, I'm going to give a little bit of a, a backstory on how this podcast came to be. There was a lot of machinations into putting this podcast together because uh, a friend of ours got a screener, uh, maybe the man up top, uh, uh, Big Josh Wigger. And he was like, boy, I watch it. I turned it off after 10 minutes. Uh, and I can kind of see how you're like, all right, here we go. Louis and Lestat, come on, I'm ready. And then it's like, here's... Daniel Malloy. Uh, and also, yeah. also <laughs> COVID's here. And you're like, oh my God, no, I need, I need to like, uh, I need a break from COVID. Uh, so I could kind of see it. I think that, um, I think I was more compelled than probably, and, and anyway, my point is like, I don't know if we should be, I don't know if this is good. And then uh, you watch more and I think it's been great. And I'm very excited that you and I are chatting about this show. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, starting us off with, with, with Daniel Malloy, yeah, a little bit, I'm like, it's the queer show but I, 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 you know prove me wrong later in the episode louis like oh, i believe uh uh you know you can, we can relate to the two of us like uh, uh we met at a gay bar uh he's like hey just trying to get you know uh trying to score uh, the easiest way to score that place or something like that so uh, daniel malloy not uh, a straight man um as we will come to find out but i do think yeah it's really an interesting uh, tool here to basically we tried this once let's try it again here's all the reasons it didn't work uh, uh before uh we were we were young and ignorant uh we're gonna learn that daniel malloy uh had a uh, pretty severe drug addiction uh as well um because when he said you were being disrespectful to me he says yeah i was i was high um and so uh, louis at a point in his life where he does want this story uh to be told and i imagine similarly to the movie that by the end of this retelling um of the story from Louis, uh, the message is going to be 
this is miserable. My life yeah, has been miserable. Curse. Yes, it's a curse. Um, and I think that the episode does a very good job of putting Louis in a place where it is believable, despite them being in a church where there are two dead priests on the ground and Lestat is crawling. He has blood all over his mouth. He uh, looks he's like just such killed. a monster. He's got the crazy yes. eyes. It's great, Grace. Yeah. I love that Louis in the interview uh, has the has the eyes. He has the very mm -hmm. seductive eyes, but he does not yet have them. Um, but Lestat has just murdered two people, including the priest that Louis has just given a confession to. And and yet uh, Louis gives the little nod to say, yes, uh, you can give me your dark gift. I think putting Louis in such a place of vulnerability through all the things, uh, as we'll chat through, that he goes through in this episode, uh, including, boy, his mother is so very harsh uh, yeah, to him. Yeah. Paul, a very tragic figure in terms of both being right and wrong at the same time. Like mm -hmm. he's very right that Lestat is the devil. Uh, I guess he's not right that he's the devil, but he is right that he is a monster. Um, and his tragic end and Louis putting a lot of blame on that for himself being an, an unhappy queer man in New Orleans. I think it's a really compelling first episode uh, in terms of, particularly for me, uh, Louis. And, and I was very surprised to be very compelled by Daniel Malloy. I love Beloy. I'm going to end up jumping around talking about the book and the film yeah, sure. bit and referencing them as we talk, right? But um, the, the eyes, I love that you identify the eyes, right? So I think an excellent part of the film from the 90s was the like visual aesthetic and the eyes were like such a powerful kind of shift. And so seeing Louis' depiction in the modern day, I love the inclusion of COVID and the making it contemporary and super real. I think that was part of what was so effective about that 90s version of the film. They're mm -hmm. like, updating Rolling Stone song with the Guns N' Roses, right? right? It seems like a small thing, right. but it was very of that time, you guys, right? As like a teenager growing up in the early 90s, it felt so rooted in our world, right? And, right. and that's part of what the story of the interview is like. And just to touch on Malloy, I don't want to belabor it, right? But I had, I guess, a different read, right? As the straight guy in the room that I, what I'm like catching from Daniel, where he's like, we met in a gay bar, he's kind of writing it off. And it's a little bit defensive, almost, the response he's giving, like, I was just there to get drugs man i was just there to score i did what i had oh to do, right? i see i see that's kind of the, the score he's oh i get it it's for drugs, right not for, and so like not what's the LGBT score guys. but but i think also that there is um gosh there's an ambiguity around sexuality and bisexuality and all of these concepts are very fluid and moving and i talked about it a bit in the preview but i'm really conscious about being a straight man in the room watching this very queer show but the reality grace is like this was such a lens into a wider world for me as a young man you know what mm -hmm. i mean and it really helped me and i think part of what ann rice does so effectively because i've met a lot of interview with the vampire fans over the years and they are not universal in any way shape or form right? right we cover like all these kind of different breaths and widths of people and places that we come from and origins and backgrounds and worldviews and i think that there's something really powerful about this story being an excellent look into a life unlike your own I mean, fundamentally, mm -hmm. that's what Louis is doing, right? He's trying to be like, I'm going to give you some insight into something beyond, right? And we talk about how the film being queer coded, and this can be just openly queer. And that's really powerful to see that kind of transition in three decades of pop culture uh, for me as somebody like standing a bit outside looking in, right? So I love that. I love this choice. And uh, I, I love having Malloy front and center to this thing, making him like an important part of the story we're telling and his reaction. He says at one point, point louis you, you it's been too long you forgot what it is to be human you missed the point of your own story right yeah. and, and yeah. there's such an interesting take there I, I just find it fascinating right yeah the coming outness of it all of of this this thing that lestat is saying as he's leaning over again yes. blood pouring out of his mouth uh louis says difficult it's difficult to explain how his words disarm me uh, all my guilt and my wish to die seemed utterly unimportant for the first time in my life I was seen. And Lestat mm -hmm. says, be my companion, be all the beautiful things you are and be them without apology. Be them for eternity uh, is what uh, uh, Lestat says to finally convince Louis. And boy, if that's just not like coming out, I don't know <laughs> what it is, right? Uh, uh, be all the beautiful things you are, be them without apology, be them for eternity. Uh, and it like sounds so depraved to be like, Oh God, this is that guy. Uh, making me very like, <laughs> he like sees that's, me, that's right? Uh, but it is. That's like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, there's so many stories that I think people often say are so queer coded in the way that when it's just 
an othered story when someone is being mm -hmm. othered you're like oh that's i think that's that's a queer story um and it's kind of fun i think here where we're kind of going to get both of these things we're kind of going to get they're, they're going to be pretty explicitly queer they're going to be gay with each other we literally see them floating oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, at one point i think josh was like uh, uh uh and emily were watching this show and i i can't imagine this is the exact scene where they're like Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah, it's the yeah. uh, two vampires <laughs> floating, two very naked men floating, attached to each other, and like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, one swine. feeding on the other, yeah, mm -hmm. having a uh, petite coup. Um, uh, and so I like that we're gonna get an explicitly queer show, and also sort of a queer coded show as well in terms of what is it like being a vampire. They're both gonna be sort of out and in the closet at the same time, if that makes sense. Uh, in the fact that they're gonna have to hide the fact that they are vampires, but they're also going to be uh gay uh, lovers uh i presume so uh i was really entranced i the thing i'm very excited about i think we'll get some uh as many guests as we can along the way we have a bit of a weird record time so uh we'll try our best uh, uh specifically if we can get some lgbtq folks who are watching the show that would be uh fantastic but also the other thing that the thing rich and I, you we cannot speak to uh is this idea that louis is uh, recast as a black man in the show mm -hmm. which i think is an again an excellent choice i think uh we were talking about like how are they going to do the plantation uh, uh thing and mm -hmm. and that's still in there basically that um it seems like that uh, his father and his and his ancestors uh received it as part of some sort of reparations program potentially got to own um thing but but his father sort of ran it into the ground i think at one point he says it was four months from bankruptcy until uh, uh louis took it over and now uh, he's turned sort of that profit into this. And I just think that that's very interesting. And I think the same way that I was sort of like, uh, it's not exactly the same, but this worry about like, uh, where does his money come from? There's that question that Daniel asked, like, yep, how do you pay for all of this? Uh, yep. And the fact that sort of that's where his money uh, comes from, obviously, you know, in 2022, uh, I believe uh, sex work is work, you know, uh, but there's a stigma attached to that at the, at the time that even his brother is being like, this is damnation. Uh, and, and Louis yeah. is going to struggle with the idea that, that potentially not everybody who works for him uh, does so potentially um, willingly. I, I think people consent, but also that like sometimes you're in a situation where you have no other choice, but this is my only option uh, in life. And he's really struggling with that in confession. So um, we'll try to also get some people who can speak to uh, the black experience, uh, the black American experience um, as well as we, as we go along. Um, Cause that, that is a big part of uh, both his queerness and I think and his blackness being in New York. He talks about going, into uh fair place johnny fair place i believe mm -hmm. is the name of the, the establishment across the street she's um, dead dude yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's been the name of the show uh yeah uh that's what they say about lily i'm yeah. dead dude she's yeah that is about lily yeah she's dead dude um <laughs> That he can point, he knows who are the regulars and who are the um, the tourists because of the looks he gets when he walks through uh, a fair play as uh, some some of the white gentlemen. What is he doing in here? Uh, even Lestat, when he meets, uh, makes a comment that is. Yeah, uh, how did you get through the door? Yeah, yeah so I mean that as a compliment. It's like, yeah, come on, Lestat. Uh, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What did you think of Lestat here? Because we haven't we talked a, lot, a fair bit about Louis, and we talked a little bit about uh, Daniel. Um, but Lestat, obviously, the the second, third uh, uh, person in, involved in this whole thing, and I mean, a villain uh, certainly, not a good good person, a literal vampire who turns uh, a Louis. But I thought also very compelling. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts up top front about uh, Lestat? insanely compelling so i know jacob anderson obviously from game of thrones is our beloved gray worm right there's yes. a familiarity to louis actor eric bogosian is one of these guys that it's like god what do i know him from so many things uh he like stands out to me right it's a familiar face a familiar yeah. performance i even just want to stop down the note uh like jacob anderson louis performance i may be like completely projecting here grace but there is an intonation to the line reads and the voice his affect that he's carrying for louis that is very it brings me right back to brad pitt 
Like right. I almost hear Pitt's voice when I don't see him on screen and he's doing the voiceover. And that's so transportive and effective for me that this guy, Sam Reed, I don't know from a hole in the wall. I've not like seen him on any projects. I'm not clocking him. And so Lestat was the big question mark to me coming in. I was very curious. Lestat is such a central and fundamental character. I mean, ultimately this is Louis's story and it's very much the story of Louis's life, but Lestat is this pivotal and instrumental role. Right. Um, and you're talking about that end scene. I mean, I thought everything with Lestat gained momentum. Our first yeah. introduction of him, when we see him just kind of standing in the street, I was like, I don't know about this look. He maybe looks a little bit out of place. He maybe doesn't look as excellent in the period where as some of the rest of these folks do. He stands yeah. out to me a bit. Even the scene in the brothel where they're sitting talking with Lily and having their first like really kind of deep interaction here before the card game. I'm like a little bit more engaged. Uh, the effects, the way that they approach Lestat's ability yeah. to pierce the veil, to speak to Louis, to stop time, to move impossibly fast. There is a casual ease and an otherworldliness. I mean, we watch a lot of TV shows with supernatural stuff happening these days. Uh, the MCU is king right they're dominating the kind of theaters there's a yes. lot of special effects superpowers supernatural abilities in our stories these days mm -hmm. this felt really original i don't know i, no, I, I agree that we've never seen it before but what a great tactic that they use to approach the stats kind of skill set of like the murmur the din of the crowd and the conversation as his words like pierce straight into you right the like super speed at the end in the church he's just casually walking down between the pews while we're watching like the frantic motion of this running priest who he punches through the head a moment that i know the great josh wiggler deeply enjoyed uh, Lestat got me, Grace. The yeah. one scene that I think like captured me most is as the confession booth is ripped apart and Louis turns out and Lestat's on the ground around the corner of the pew and he turns looking up. It's the vampire pose, right? Yeah. You've caught me in feeding. I got yeah. my hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. You got me with the blood on his face, the fine clothing. They've got his wardrobe upgrade happening already. And it's so equal parts seductive and monstrous right there's a lure and like a a kind of uh like sexuality to all of that that is yep. like undeniable like it's attractive it's evocative it's powerful it's terrifying and monstrous and horrific and that's lestat right lestat is this man's great love he is his partner he sees him in a way that like no man have ever been able to see him so far but lestat damns him to eternity lestat like shares this gift which is a curse Lestat turns him into a killer and draws mm -hmm. out his worst impulses and will control him and manipulate him and gaslight him in all the ways of like the worst toxic relationship hey we literally got gaslighting in this episode I know you love that yeah right? I love it yeah yeah um Lestat worked for me I was pleased with our Lestat depiction. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think the point of him being like, you look at him and you're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, not that Tom Cruise immediately. I'm like, ah, yes. The most powerful oh, vampire yeah. on the, in the movie. Yes. Look Tom at this Cruise. little fidget. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think he's cast very well. And I do think he's like incredibly compelling. It's a tough role to have in, in an age where we were talking a lot about sort of the age of the anti-hero mm -hmm. and can you you know and i feel like every week on the house of the dragon pod a particular character named damon who people seem to be standing damon and i'm very com i'm very conflicted because it's like yeah but he's also a really bad dude but he's very compelling you know and we're having this debate <laughs> and 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 louis is going to fit in that same mold of being someone who I think we're going to be very compelled by like, and the characters on the show are literally compelled by him uh, uh, come yeah. to me. Um, but that's part of his appeal. And, you know, yes, in a way they've, they're, they're telling us. And I think, you know, from the folks who have watched the movie or read the book that, uh, you know, and, and the fact that we know that he's giving this, this interview, right. That like, we don't see the stat um, at the, at the, in the interview that this is a bad dude. This is the, you know, he's, uh, you know, this is giving into the the thing at the end of the episode. Louis, like he's a know, monster. It is, it is like going into the cookie. It's like oh, I know I shouldn't have the cookie, but I'm gonna have the cookie. Uh, but but on a much worse scale. Yeah, Louis is a monster. Uh, literally, you see him kill uh the gas lighter. <laughs> I guess the gas D lighter. He's actually turning off uh, uh the gas. Yeah, lamp. he's the lamp on lighter. The yeah, lamp the, turner yeah. off, or it's not. Doesn't Louis is or Lestat is the gas lighter. He keeps yeah. turning yes. the lamp back on. 
Yeah, yes, which yes. which is fitting. Um, and he kills Lily as well as other people who we know have been trained. And I mean, it's kind blood. of brutal the way he kills Lily, right? Lily yeah. is like discarded carelessly. Lily is a tool for him to recruit Louis. Lily yeah. is a means to an end. There is no affection really there beyond like the affection that one might have for a pretty thing. I mean, Lestat well, talks about why he got off the boat and the women and, yes. and the shades of skin colors and the diversity, right? And ultimately, what does he say to Louis? He's just like, uh, Oh yeah, I ended you know her beautiful life. I mean, it's yeah. very tongue in cheek. Of like, this woman was a prostitute, had nothing, lived for nothing, and like, so what? That like she's not going to live for her. Lestat is ruthless, you know. Yeah. Pretty sad. Louis, uh, Lily says when Lestat buys Lily uh, for the night, uh, buys mm -hmm. out uh, the entire fair play, and uh, she says, "Oh, don't worry." Like I already told uh, Lestat that we just talk, basically, right? Uh, and while there is some, they're not like exactly. I mean, they're pretty intimate, but you can presume that like many times this might be Louis just going and, and buying companionship, but not sexual. This is well, just I mean, like, she, yeah. uh, she's his cover, right? I mean, right. that's what he's like a beard her as she yeah. is, right? Where she, he's just like, uh, I need it to look like a, uh, a red blooded New Orleans American, just like every yeah. other man that it's like ass before everything. Right. And ultimately what he's talking about in his reveal with Malloy is for the first time ever in Lestat, he finds a man that he can confide in. Right. right. This is an important part of the relationship that he has with his brother that we're going to talk about a bit, but mm -hmm. that in Lestat, he for the first time meets a man that he could be vulnerable with he could be honest with he could be clear with and in in lily we imagine he could find this right there's a safety in like right. revealing that vulnerability to a woman with a lot of like her own kind of skeletons in the closet so to speak right a woman in this like line of work at this time that he holds power over in a certain way right he's like got money she doesn't there's all these power dynamics there that gosh it's tragic it's really sad that lily like takes this end but it's certainly the first in in a long line of indicators of the type of person Lestat is right I thought uh, uh, Lily was was great. I played by Naja Bradley, uh, who believed this will be her only episode. Um, but uh, I thought she was very, very compelling, very good. Um, and yeah, that scene where Lestat is already with Lily, I think for me is, is you start to see. Okay, I think I, I see it. And obviously, this is actually that's about this is the first speaking role <laughs> from Lestat. I'd be like, yeah, it's very compelling. Uh, uh, even though it's literally the first thing he's saying. Um, but the scene where he is talking about that he was going to go to St. Louis, he he got uh, you know. Uh, what is the title of the episode? In the throes of increasing wonder, right? He gets mm -hmm. he gets lured in uh, by New Orleans, by what New Orleans uh, can offer him. I, I think uh, for me, a bit like um, unrealized from the the movie a little bit was what because we we so quickly go like they're on the plantation and then they go they're they're in New Orleans at a different time right so um yeah i mean it's late 1800s and louis as this plantation owner is a little outside of the city right i mean they're not like right in the, like uh the, you know the downtown quarter i'm gonna get it wrong i don't know my new orleans lingo well enough right well there's uh, the french district what's the big what's the, the street uh there excuse uh, me sorry Bourbon Street, right? Uh, he's course, not on Bourbon. Yeah. They're not on Bourbon Street, but um, uh, they're in a separate part of of the of town. But I really like that we're really like centralized in New Orleans because my experience going to New Orleans, I I really loved it. I, I really love the the culture of it. It, it very mm -hmm. much did feel like a party uh, a town. You know the the beads and everything. And when you oh, get yeah. into when you do get into the French Quarter, when you when you get into Bourbon Street, it does have this like liveliness to it that I think is very uh, compelling for this TV show. That I think in a way that it's a really perfect setting for this stuff not just that our like characters are literally named uh louis de pont de lac and lestat de lyon uh, mm -hmm. uh mr lion court uh, uh but um uh i i think it's a really fun setting that i i'm kind of hoping that we stay here for a fair bit i know we talked about in the preview pod how much are we going to be c covering com the complete book and, and the and the plot of the movie to a degree uh and i don't want to give major spoilers here but but they don't stay in orleans the whole plot of that movie they're eventually going to go uh, uh to to europe so uh but i really think that centralizing them actually in these districts in new orleans is actually really compelling from the sense of like sort of some of the the sexual nature of 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 lestat and louis and in oh, new orleans sure. as a culture like that was one of the things that when i was there I was like oh it's it's a little bit more depraved than i than i kind of like thought uh uh it, it was uh, uh new orleans was a little bit uh so i uh, I think it's a really smart choice to instead of them being on the plantation, obviously uh, moving it forward, uh, you know, uh, to 1910 
and then setting it actually right in the middle of New Orleans as a setting. I think it's a really smart choice. New Orleans is the excellent place for these kind of stories. I mean, they talk about it, right? Where he's like, oh, you started hanging out with Lestat? Like, but it was only at night. Did you put it together? And Louis oh, yeah. just like, look, man, it's New Orleans. The daytime's for sleeping off the night before, you know? So good. Um, it, it's, it's a city that, like, comes alive when the sun goes down, right? So it very much captivates that. And part of the original book is like, look, and they, they acknowledge it here, but Malloy is interviewing Louis in San Francisco. They're talking about a story that begins in in uh, New Orleans that goes all the way to Paris, right? There's these obvious very French connections to the whole root of the thing. Another excellent movie, if you haven't seen it. I was uh, just going to make that joke. <laughs> trying, yeah. I've been podcasting with you a lot. I know, I know. Trying to stay in front of it. Um, I think this choice to put in the United Arab Emirates is so wild. Yeah, right? it's really wild. Well, yeah. This is like the kind of seat of opulence and luxury. It is the kind of like mecca of the like mega wealthy in the modern age. And so to put it there is otherworldly and removed and foreign while also being relatable. And I think it creates this kind of global scale to the whole story of like, yeah, this is a story about one vampire, but like, where are they? How many are there? How far do they go? Like this guy is like moving around the world with impunity. He's got this kind of money. I mean, you acknowledge yeah, think, it. Boy has like yeah. such a good line of like, what, what does it cost for this like 360 degree view anywhere? Immortal, never die. Like lifestyle. This having aged in half a century, killer views in all direction. Anonymity is the line, you know? And he's like a great deal. A great deal. He yeah. also says, uh, only my family and my doctor know I'm sick because this is what uh, Louis says. Like, you must be interested because you have Parkinson's disease, an autoimmune condition, and yet you flew halfway across the world to come see me. And uh, and so Daniel's going to say, only my family and my doctor know that I'm sick. So I, I don't like the amount of money you must have to know this about me is also really bad news um, yes. that you can be in the middle of the United Arab Emirates in your house slash coffin uh, God, when he puts his hand in the arm, I was like, does that heal? Don't stop doing that, uh, Louis, uh, when he opens up the, the shades. It's the, the hard window. sell. It's the big reminder. In case you've like questioned over the last 49 years whether what you saw was true or you just were very high, watch right. my skin burn in the yeah. sunlight. You know, it's like really good. I needed that moment early on to like help ground Malloy of like, no, no, this is very real, dude. You know, I, I like that. And I also like Malloy being like, He's listened. To, he's listened to all the tapes. He says that's that's my voice, but I don't really recognize it. You know, like it's a fever. Uh, it's a fever dream uh, told to an idiot. Uh, you know, and he's talking about how you know I didn't ask follow up questions. Uh, when I did ask you a good question, you didn't even answer it. You steamrolled it. Um, and so if we're going to do this again, we're going to do it correctly. Uh, he sort of lays out uh, his, his conditions. Uh, yeah, I really liked um, uh, Malloy in this episode. And it's Eric Bogosian. He's he's a tremendous actor. So he's yeah. great. And and like Louis having like uh, this like protege, a mater d or whatever, a kind of like third party here. Yeah. That's like, wait, wait, wait. That's not the contract. Wait this. Wait that. And Louis's like let's just let our boy get settled in and and malloy goes nuts man he's yeah. like f that i'm not your boy i'm an old man yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good i'm an old man with all i'm the ready now that comes with i'm ready now let's start working and louis like sends his kid away i like that we are firmly putting malloy he's got conviction man like in the mm -hmm. one sense he's an old man who's gonna die uh he and louis have the whole conversation about what's happening with the pandemic the state of the world and louis making this like illusion of like the vampire it's bored humans are dead like humanity is dying right you you all are really wounded and malloy being like firmly rooted in his power there's a fearlessness to that end of life kind of position that he's at where he's like look i don't care what are you gonna do you gonna kill me man like whatever he's very bold and he speaks with like conviction about what he wants what he knows his reflection on the interview i asked the wrong questions you contradicted yourself and i didn't follow up and louis like agreeing with it all louis acknowledging like we hear the end of the tape by the way Malloy plays it before he leaves his house and it ends in violence in conflict right as ultimately yep. Malloy like will ask Louis for this gift this dark gift and Louis flips out and is like dude you're not paying attention you have not been paying attention right so this fundamental tension in the room in the UAA uh, in the Arab Emirates here of like 
Louis and Malloy, like I think not losing sight of that as we follow along our story is going to be important. There is a conflict Agreed. here. It's for some desire. Malloy wants what Louis has. There is in a universal thing about humans where like we don't want to die i think i think like pushed up into mm -hmm. like the hardest circumstances of survival we do this incredible stuff we pick up cars we fight we survive for like months and years at a time under like impossible circumstances and malloy is dying amidst a, a yes. humanity that is all sick and dying i think and that's Louis a really good this point. gift yeah. yeah that is like so important and and the tension of these two men in the room i think we we're like going to be so focused on louis and lestat let's not forget about malloy and louis and what that relationship is you know well not just he's dying he's dying of a incredibly um degenerative degenerative disease, disease. Yeah. Uh, he has parkinson's um which yeah uh despite uh, many of the uh, you know advancements that there are in technology still is a, a very difficult and challenging uh, mm -hmm. disease and i actually uh it's a really good point to just highlight that note that uh, not only was he a man who wanted it at one point he wanted to be given the dark gift he is also come, returned now at a point in his life where and it literally when he gets the baggage he's talking to his doctor and it's mm -hmm. like the one thing i was a little bit worried about like you know daniel uh, does say the word uh, these are my triggers uh you know all the triggers that come with being an old man i'm a little worried of like the modern commentary i i will just put that up front i'm, I'm a little uh worried even the COVID stuff i was a little bit worried um about you know when he gets the call he's talking to his doctor he's like yeah should i be worried about these sub variants right Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that that's a, it's a really interesting point to to put. You know, not only during a time period where, as you were saying, the world is sort of uh, crumbling. We're on edge. Like uh, we are not yep. out of COVID at the moment. You know, uh, uh, and and potentially are living in a world where we will uh, live with COVID and all the consequences that sort of come with that decision and the way we manage the pandemic. Um, but also that uh, Daniel does have Parkinson's and what that will mean for, you know, his reflection on the story that louis is about to tell him so i think it's very fascinating and really good a really good uh a point um let's talk about let's talk about paul because i think paul is a very fascinating uh character again another much like lily a character who presumably uh a one and done from the premiere this is louis's brother who we first meet because he's going to be preaching outside of of the brothel a condemning sort of trying to convince people to give up this life um and uh, he is not perhaps uh, at full mental uh, health, uh, uh, as we'll hear him talk. Uh, he, he has notes that he hears the word of God from birds. Um, he's going to uh, sort of, you know, he doesn't have the best social uh, etiquette, probably again due to like mental uh, illness. I really love the scene where they tap dance uh, together. Mm -hmm. I thought this was beautiful. Their father having died about five years before this, uh, Grace decides to put them to work and pulls out tap shoes and they dance. It's really lovely. And them climbing up to the roof feels like a thing that they've done a million times mm -hmm. uh, together to go watch the sunrise or the sunset and having this conversation only for it to lead to Paul uh, jumping uh, to his death, walking off the edge uh, of, of the house. Brutal. Um, Louis is going to be blamed by his mother, but boy, we also hear Paul say, I heard him. He did the same trick to me. He, the word of the devil was inside him. He said he's here to kill uh, everybody. So obviously Lestat uh, doing this. And and Louis says that Paul is the only other person he's ever confided in. And and Lestat has essentially, you know, made him go uh, mental and, and, and kill himself. So uh, that's tragic as well. It's so tragic. I mean, this is a big change, right? Louis in the books, uh, his father's dead. He's inherited all this money. He's married. His wife dies in childbirth, right? And this is what leads Louis right. on this kind of like suicidal bender that will crash him straight into Lestat. So this is a big pivot. This is a Louis yeah. Dupont Dulac who uh, has a verve for life, Grace. This guy is not like seeking death as the film opens. And I think in a very real way, I, I expected by the end of the episode, that Louis would be divorced of the mortal life, that all the tethers to his living life would have been like firmly kind of severed as he's drawn into the night. And, and we're going to follow him forward. But leaving so much of his family alive is really interesting to me and creating all of this family for him. It changes the dynamic like dramatically, right? He is now not like struggling with the weight of grief. He's struggling with the weight of responsibility. 
He's the patriarch to this family, and he's the patriarch to this family that's trying to manage a dwindling fortune four months away from bankruptcy. You said it. And the only way he knows how, with like the rough upbringing that he knows, using the like acumen and the savvy that he's gathered in his life growing up in like this hard part of the world, right? He talks to Malloy about it. He's like, I was a, a coarser thing back then. Yeah. The shifting between his language, Grace. It's so brilliant, right? Modern day Louis Dupont Dulac is polished and refined and speaks with a gentleman's air that Louis Dupont Dulac of 1910 does not have as he's walking through the streets playing like the big man of Bourbon Street, as he calls himself a couple of times. I, 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 think Street, I think it's Liberty. I think it's Liberty Street. That, Street. Yeah, because yeah. this is the moment that Lestat takes notice of him. And I actually think this is very important because it's actually Paul that he this is where Paul is preaching and he pulls out his uh, the sword out of his uh, out of his cane to, to hold up that, to him and right? say, Yes, I do love it. Um, and he's saying, yeah, you you never want to look weak on Liberty Street. You never know who is watching. And so, yes, and this idea when he rolls up to uh, his establishment and the guy outside, I can't remember what his name is, um, and he and he makes like a fat joke at him, right? He says, uh, you're hiding any more money in the in these rolls. And then this woman with one leg comes up and is like, I better hurry up. Like, you're going to lose your good leg. Like, he is a, you know, a mean man uh this is a uh you know and again this is like i think the queerness uh coming through that, that you you play this role that you think society is supposed to uh, you're supposed to to play to be this like bravado uh this like tough exterior this like mean kind of rude guy not only just because that's the way you're supposed to be but also he's like the business owner right of sort yeah. of like a shady business that like yeah uh yeah if you show weakness somebody else will come and try to take your place. So uh, I think that's also a very a good point. And it is Paul that he does this to, that Lestat first takes notice. Of, I of love all these pivots. Yeah. yeah, it's so excellent, right? I mean, so much of Louis's conflict in the book comes from his religion, and we get it noted here. My business and my religion raised were at odds, right? Um, and, and it obviously manifests in this huge way with his sexuality and, and the like repression that's happening there. It's all really excellently realized to me. I love like the progression of Paul. And Paul is sad and tragic and exactly the type of character that Lestat would torment and torture. Uh, yes. We talk about like the closing scene up on the roof it feels really emotional and poignant to me as Paul seems kind of like lucid and like clear. I will say the second they start climbing those railings, I get nervous. Grace. I was so nervous. I'm a guy who loves to like climb on a roof. Me I too. climb trees. I'm a big climber, yeah. but yeah. I see them climbing up that railing and I'm like, how high is that house? Are they going to die if they fall? They won't die. Mm. It can't be that high. Probably they'll break both legs. But like, ooh. It's like I know Louis is going to die, but certainly not by falling off the roof. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. This would be a real, real pivot. Right. Departure, so, yeah. The, yeah. the scene that I really love is the dinner scene, right? Where Paul is not cool with the fact that Grace is getting married. He's upset. It's How a shitty world. I found know. happiness. Paul. I know. Yeah. We're happy, Grace. We're happy for Grace. We're happy yeah. Grace can be happy. Uh, and then he begins to challenge Lestat. What exactly is the nature of your relationship with my brother? At which point Lestat like just gets in his head. And you can imagine Lestat just being like, I'm here to devour souls. The speech that he But does he also give, says, he says, uh, he does tell everybody investment opportunities, which actually is not wrong. He would like to no. invest in Louis. Yeah, he would. <laughs> He's Very not lying. Deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love this story Lestat tells about his past is really important here, I think, as well. It is. Where he's like, I came to know Christ in a monastery. I wanted to be a priest just like you, Paul. And under the guidance of the monks, I memorized the testimonies, both testimonies, the writings of Aquinas and Erasmus and the saints and the scholars. And his father and his brother pull him out of the monastery and they beat him and they lock him away. And in between the beatings and the starvations at this line and the failure of Christ between them to intercede i forgot the teachings right there's an ocean between christ and myself lestat does not like religion grace he is not keen for this christianity gig and like when we talk about triggers and old men lestat's much older yeah. than he looks True. and i think that there's like a there there you know uh the show does a show. I get. We'll talk. I, I want to go back to that scene where he first uses his powers on um, uh, on Louis. Um, but we see the powers that he has, and we see you know sunlight obviously uh, affects them. Uh, sort of the rules of the vampire. Uh, apparently, uh, being near crosses not one of the things that will nope. do it because uh, it's a BS yeah. rule and it's garlic. Rule. It's another BS rule. That's right. Um, because uh, I mean the whole last scene takes place in a church uh, Indeed a, conversion, it does. a conversion in the church yes uh uh but i i do i do love this speech from lestat um this you know and again this is the stuff that i'm like oh 
very dark content. Yes, mm-hmm. sign me up. That I wanted to be a priest. I, I learned I, I was faithful, and then uh, I suffered the abuse of my my father, and my brothers, um, and presumably, I mean, I read that as uh, there is all you know. There's also probably some stuff in terms of uh, potentially they knew he was queer as well. Feels um, like that, right? He's a young man who goes and locks himself up in a monastery, right? Where he now yeah. is not like have the expectation of having to get married and carry on a family, right? Like, yeah, I was that- talking. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, that's like part of the thought that I have, right? Yeah. yeah. I was talking with uh, Elizabeth because Elizabeth was a little bit worried about this like time uh, uh, jump a little bit. That I think one of the things that is very compelling about old vampires is that uh, they're old. They're really yes. old. And so yes. um, uh, by the time we meet Louis, he's not going to be that old. And one of the things that the book does, uh, well, the movie does, right, is that like, uh, uh, yes, they're like are around in 1800s New Orleans or whatever, but then we're going to like, you know, it's to be a long time before they end up, you know, where a lot of the movie takes place. And I'm interested to see how much of a time jump we get here, but presumably I, I would expect not, terribly a lot in terms of like where we're going to stay um in terms of um in terms of flashbacks like not the interview part but like where you know i'm just it would be intriguing but even then like um this is 1910 that louis gets turned uh so the oldest uh he could be even you know in in 2022 is is 112 mm-hmm. years old um mm-hmm. but that's not true for lestat this is the thing i was saying that that there's a, a lot of potential for like we don't really know how old lestat is um i'm not sure how much we get that in the in the book or the movie either and again because we're like framing the framing device of this of this show is interview with the vampire interviewing louis and we get louis backstory and obviously like bits and pieces can come out but i'm very intrigued to know uh, if we will get continued to to know more about louis uh, backstory if we'll go um if we'll do flashbacks within the flashbacks of like louis uh, backstory um so yeah i probably I probably spoiled it's so tough with the two owl names, Grace, the Louis Listan of it all. I probably spoiled more than I should have in the preview pod. So I'll just be cagey here and say, um, you know, this is Louis's book. Uh Listat's like an important character in Louis's story, but this story is a story of Louis's life in a very real way. Uh the second book in the Vampire Chronicles is the Vampire Lestat, and it right. goes into like incredible detail. So I'm, we talked about the structure of the show, what they're gonna do, the curiosity I have here. I'm so curious where they're gonna go with it, right? Because there's an enormous catalog of stuff and rice wrote like they could one and done this thing one season interview with the vampire that's the season we can keep the name of the show a game of thrones is not like True. a series of a song of ice and fire right we can move through the rest of Anne rice's vampire chronicles through the construct that this show is i'm just very curious where they've set their endpoint for one season of telling it right? right um and there's a lot of detail about lestat that we get along the way throughout the books i mean some of the stuff he drops here my mother cared for me she gave me everything i ever wanted my first mastiff my first flintlock these are old things but like Very were old. they old things in 1910 i don't know right? right so there's a lot of interesting clues i think in this scene uh we should be like recognizing it i love the manifestation of Lestat's powers like i keep talking about it but the notion that vampires could do stuff like fly and like manipulate your thoughts and read minds and move super fast and have super straight like I guess they might have always been there, but like they're suddenly turning a lot more into superheroes than like Nosferatu monsters, Grace. You know, uh, it was sexy in the 90s. It was very cool to see vampires. They could do all this cool stuff. I mean, the thing that, you know, was wild to me is, is uh, Louis stabs Lestat in the back with many, uh, with times. His, like, many times. And Louis just like, your gods will not help you. Like, uh, yeah, you know, we're here. Like, oh, yeah. Louis, come on, man. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, and so, you know, one of my touch points and forgive us, uh, but this is a podcast with, uh, DM Philly and and Grace Leader. Uh, but I'm very familiar with, uh, uh, Strahd from D and D who, uh, playing through the curse of Strahd, a a D and D module, uh, and Strahd being sort of this like very uh, prolific vampire boss. Strahd is like D and D's version of Dracula, right? I mean, he's very much that he's the quintessential black hair, you know, widow's peak, the red club, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's extremely powerful. And part of the fun of that module without spoiling it is that, uh, Strahd is not somebody who is hidden away. He he's very present. Uh, and, and because mm-hmm. he's so powerful and so dangerous that he can just be there. And I think setting up, you know, I want to talk about going back to that scene around the poker table, because I think there's a lot there. Um, not just from, uh, him showing his powers. And it's very funny because uh, Louis later is going to be like, yeah, it's just a trick he can do. Like, it's like, as if it's like magic. <laughs> 
it's like the weirdest thing someone could like stop time and be in your head um but it's also him him trying to build trust because he's showing uh this guy one of the guy who wants to be in business with him is the same guy who who called him the n-word uh yes. previously in the episode uh and they're trying to bargain about uh, 10 or 15 percent and the other piece is well um this man uh what is his his name uh i cannot remember and it's not that important uh, the alderman fenwick. oh yeah yes. alderman fenwick yeah he is the capital, uh, whereas uh, Louis will be the labor in this new mm -hmm. investment. Um, and um, I think that this, you know, what this idea is playing on a little bit is, you know, in modern, they often talk about how like a prison is often just like modern day slavery. We couldn't have slavery. So here's this thing. And, and in this example, it's like, yeah, well, Fenwick is the capital. He's putting in the investment, in the money. And so he gets, you know, uh, whatever, 90, 85% uh, of the investment. And you, who's going to do all the work? Well, Okay, well, you could, well, well, we could give, I mean, it's so generous of us to give you 15%, you know? Um, and so this power dynamic, it's a scene where that's where Lestat, and I think it's like, you know, it is, you know, ultimately, I think this is also a story about uh, abuse, about a, a couple, oh, um, right? And so, yes, yeah. and so uh, Lestat being an abusive partner. And I mean, there's the, grooming dynamics happening grooming, here when we start yes. talking about the age of these individuals. Right. Like, once we unmoor them from the reality of, like, two consenting, very sexy 20-year-old men, <laughs> yeah. uh, it gets very dysfunctional, yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I, I heard Dr. Amanda recently on a, a podcast reference something I'd not heard in a very long time, which was the rule of like half your age plus seven. Um, I don't know if Lestat and Louis are. <laughs> Have you I'm heard of this some, rule? I'm yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it works. Um, but um, yeah, the scene and he's essentially being like, gosh, I can't believe like they would treat you with such disrespect, you know, uh, how dare they? Um, and get it. that's when their friendship begins. He asks him, do you suffer these indignities oh, for yeah. some larger purpose? Do you right. not understand your own value, right? Yeah. Lestat yeah. sees uh, this resource untapped in Louis that he must have, that he wants to kind of um, nurse and cultivate to an extent. I mean, for as much as I'm like painting the dark side of Lestat, Lestat does love this man. Lestat does like kind of fall in love with Louis. Like there is that part He's of the toxic by him. thing. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, well, I think the only thing we didn't mention here was, uh, I, I, I for, forgive me for when I mentioned the tap dancing to not mention the ABCDEFGs. Alter boys come dancing every day for God. I forgot. That. <laughs> I forgot. So you loved it. That was a yeah. very funny name. Yeah. Uh, you know what I love? There were so many little lines. Grace, the dialogue was yeah, so very fast good. and yeah, punchy. Good. As I'm taking notes, I was like, oh my God, I want to write all of this down. But when they're sitting with Lily in in like uh, the bordella or whatever, and, mm -hmm. and the woman the comes, terrace. And yeah. They're, yeah, they're kind of trying to resolve like, who's going to get Lily for the light uh, for the night. night right? Yeah. And, and, and she's just like, got this really quick, excellent line of like, uh, the gentlemen are swapping sausage recipes. That's right. And I just, <laughs> That's very like, good. There are so many small lines like buried throughout this episode. The introduction of like, uh, Alderman Fenwick there. I mean, that's like a moment grace. There's, there's, just some incredibly hilarious moments buried into like the the text of what we're doing here as we're moving through the episode. I love the depictions of like our two main players. I think the Lestat Louis relationship it's so fundamental. This whole thing, and I feel the tension, the push, and the pull. I feel the attraction. I feel the uh, Louis gets very mad when Lestat plays this game in his house, not with my family. Don't yeah. do that here, man. Yeah. Right? Uh, there is a part of Louis. I mean, he talks about it i wanted to cut his throat open with my knife sword but i also wanted to be him i couldn't stop thinking about him there's such incredible uh power there in the way that louis talks about this man i really it got me i'm so psyched that this episode was so good grace yeah do you know what the other thing we did not talk about is the the very end is the monologue that louis gives as he's becoming a vampire i feel like yes. uh yes. That, that's kind of a thing that sometimes happens and it's visually done but louis getting to recount what it felt like to become a vampire i think was also some really good writing um uh, that uh he says he drained me to the very threshold of death blood became as a dull roll a, a, sorry the blood came as a dull roar at first then a pounding like the pounding of a drum growing louder and louder as if some enormous creature was coming through a dark and alien forest it was a huge drum and then there came a pounding of another drum and another giant coming behind it no notice of the rhythm of the other um, but then i noticed the drum was in my heart and the other drum had been his as like louis on the ground basically poised codal like, <laughs> like tired uh 
Yeah, and that's where we get the line of the episode. We sat there for some time in the throes of increasing wonder. Uh, a little a blood tear from Louis' eye. I love the blood tears. This was yeah. a great touch also from the Anne Rice books. This is so captivating. The idea of, I mean, he's talking about his identity, his heartbeat. It took him a real well, a minute to realize, but like Lestat's heartbeat overcoming his own, the pounding of it all. Uh, Anne Rice writing about the embrace, as it's called, right? This turn. Um, and, and we see even like when Lestat first bites Louis, that whole moment of, of Le Petit Coup, this is a real play off of uh, Le Petit Mort right which is like the little death which is an orgasm i believe right and climax and like that yeah. moment of of intimacy right and louis talking about like the physical toll the exhaustion but actually like the profound connection and the intoxication that he feels with all of it i mean the like again once upon a time reading the book watching the 90s film these are all allusions to the sexuality the metaphor is like so powerful and overt here i really appreciate them being that on the nose with it i think it's like important to the extent that we get to see the two of them like floating in the room bound intimately entwined together uh it, i mean just it really was something to watch, right? It was like a captivating visual show. They nailed the period stuff well. I think the performances are great. And the writing is really strong. Um, for an adaptation where they're making some very bold changes, I'm really taken with it. And this final scene is what just sells me on it so well. Lestat's like simultaneous rage monstrosity he kills these men that louis goes to for succor and comfort there's a part of it that's very jealous lover it like, is everybody you, go you go, the, lily paul and the two priests anybody that that uh, louis went for for support dead, dead. yeah uh, I mean, Lestat is very literally like boxing him out of his life. He's killing his family. Uh, like while he didn't kill Paul with Paul being gone, we know this was the closest person Louis had, the only man in his life that he could like be real with. And some part of that is probably like about the mental illness, and the protection that lies within that being like yeah. vulnerable to somebody who is that vulnerable. Right. And Lestat is like setting him up in a really like he's trapping him in this very like toxic, dysfunctional way. But he's also being so genuine. Right. The speech that he gives them is so powerful about the primitive country having picked you clean, every room you enter, every hat you wear, all of these roles you don for them, and none of them are your true nature. I mean, you talked about it, Grace, but again, like this is the kind of stuff where for me from the outside looking in, it's like, oh wow. Uh, this is a powerful way for me to like visit somebody else's experience, huh? Because yeah. like while I've never been in those shoes, I've been in shoes that feel very similar. Yeah. Like I get all of those feelings, I get the emotional response to all of that uh i'm just captivated i love it i can't wait for episode two and i'm so psyched that i get to like sit here and talk to you about this as like yes. uh, a book that i love for decades a story that's like been close to my heart for a long time to see such a good modern retelling really exciting it's very exciting um so we'll be back next week with episode two so long as that episode is actually episode two uh we could get amc plus on the line uh episode two is after the phantoms of your former self and listen to this rich the the plot description louis learns vampire rules from lestat yes Heck we yeah. love rules Grace. i love rules yep we love rules um so presumably that will be what's coming unless we get word that like actually next week they're dropping episode three or some weird shenanigans like that and we'll we'll, we'll figure it out but uh rest assured we'll be covering each episode uh, of the show in the meantime if you're interested in anything else we're doing uh rich what do you have going on Oh, gosh, I am so busy these yeah. days. Uh, first of all, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at DM Philly. My DMs are open. If you want to talk to me about vampires or about Star Wars or about dragons or about anything at all, uh, I stream Dungeons and Dragons with you over at twitch.tv slash DM Philly. I play with a bunch of people, a bunch of our friends, a lot of post-show recaps regulars. It's a good time. And around this neck of the woods, I am podcasting about Andor Weekly. Andor is back on Disney+. Plus. I just will stop down with the short sell. It's very, very good. Uh, maybe sure. the best Star Wars TV show so far. It's excellent. We're having a blast. Myself, Latanya Starks, Brendan Fitzpatrick, discussing that every week. Mike Bloom and myself talking about the Rings of Power as we're closing out that season. Only two episodes left. And of course, House of the Dragon I, and Taryn Armstrong are uh, meeting with guests, including yourself from now to the yeah. end of the season. I'm going to come out about... as a book club uh, reader. I'm so very excited. It's like when uh, Louis at the end of the episode was uh, transformed. The beating of the I'm going to come in hot 
Uh, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready yeah. uh, for the beating of your drum to overtake our own. Uh, that's that's right. the stuff that I am doing around these days. Uh, and it's a lot of it. Thank you for asking. Um, yes, I have uh, House of the Dragon as well. Mike Bloom and I with uh, some guests along the way. Recap the episode immediately after it's over, about 15 minutes. Try to get that feed uh, into your feed sorry, uh, by, by Monday uh, morning uh, for your commute or whatnot. Um, and look out for some other stuff that's coming. A lot of Netflix property is going to drop uh, uh, the next month or two months so uh, perhaps some preview pods for some upcoming stuff coming your way ariel and i cover movies every week this week we covered bros the billy eichner lgbtq plus rom-com um so that was very fun i think uh, it's good try not to speak for all lgbtq people but that the movie uh also feels like it's trying to speak for all lgbtq people so uh i think we had a very productive uh and uh uh thrilling conversation um over on rob has a podcast over on their youtube and twitch channel i have a new show rich that you were a uh, part of for episode two. Oh, yeah yeah roll call uh, we played the game of thrones board game it was very fun taryn mike kirsten puya rich and myself played the game of thrones it was very fun the replay is up on twitch and youtube you can watch sort of the full unedited uh, replay of of the thing we'll also probably get a nice edited version of uh of the game out to you folks uh at some point soon hopefully uh we'll, we'll condense the board game episodes into nice compelling stories so look forward to that i am on twitter i'm at high from grace we'll be back uh at some point for episode two uh with interview with the vampire until then strigoi <laughs> <laughs>